it's a good show. So excited to have a you sound episode. I know everyone is in for a real treat. Yeah, you think the Asian quotient in the studio just went up by fifty percent. That's math. You said you think you'll end up in the cold open. Oh boy, I think I'm already in the cold open. He's a smart guy, (laughs) unless that's a stereotype. (laughs) Here's a here's a new theme song from Devin Crota. Yeah. It, wow, more yeah. stuff is happening. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Devin really had fun with that. Yeah. Am I part of the solution or the problem to, to say, I think I think what he's going for is like a the ultimate mixture of... Uh, of, of East and West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because how much more aggressively white can you be than, than like just thrashy... Yeah. Like head bangy, and so that's why it's a nice sandwich in there, and it's yeah, it's yeah. a good representation of you and me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, look, the name of the podcast is Tongue and Cheek. The theme song's Tongue and Cheek. I I think that Jessica and I are comedy writers who come from the school of a title is only harmful if all you do is see it and then run and react to it like and i'm not vilifying reaction to things problematization is great it's a great habit for young people but how do you feel about the people about people that that like they're just kind of like oh you're already doing more harm than good by calling the podcast this like very like you know I'm willing to bet those are the people who don't listen to this podcast. I feel like I, you know, it feels like I, I'm glad, I'm glad I, I pimped you to say that because if I say <laughs> that, you gonna fuck take white credit for me? <laughs> no, I'm saying like I can't say that. I can't, I can't say because we're talking about yeah. Asian people or or the white people that leap to the defensive things just to problematize. And I, I still those people I don't I don't have a beef with them either. But I, but but I really but largely I would assume we're talking about when I it's it's, it's and I I as a white guy can't go oh those Asians don't get it <laughs> <laughs> just only privately. <laughs> Yeah, it is. A, yeah, I do. Th- yeah. Um. Yeah. I look like I think we do it. It's tongue in cheek, and also like it would be very different if it was like the Dan and Jeff show, and that was your theme song, and it was called Whiting Wongs. Then that would be very problematic. But like, uh, you know, I I take full ownership of uh the title and. Uh, and the logo and everything, like, I don't know, it tickles me. I like it. We're playing with tropes. And, like, what is taking what is taking back power if not being in control of all the tropes? Yeah. And I, 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 I doff my cap and appreciate, like, the first reporter we ever did an interview with, she was, her last name was Wong, correct? Yes. Or, or, or it wasn't. But, it was. Oh, uh, it was. But it, and, and then she was like, Look, I didn't. She's like, yeah, I'm so fucking sick of that joke. 
the two yeah, longs make sure. a white, the, the punnery and stuff. Well, I, but yeah, I, 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 I can't, I can't fucking spit in anyone's personal experience. That would be like yeah, if, if we were absolutely. like, oh, they're called hookers, not sex workers. If you're a sex worker, go fuck yourself. You're not invited to the conversation. That's crazy. So obviously, Ms. Wong was like, 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 oh, it falls away, but. I, 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 and, and then anybody in the, that's a, a Asian activist, because we've talked to the Asian people and they're like, you know what? Part of the problem is fucking people perceive Asian stuff as safe. Like you wouldn't fucking do the same joke if it was black stuff and all this stuff. And there's all this swirling dialogue that I'm glad we're having. I don't want to use yeah. that as a dodge. <laughs> but I, but I think I got to say it's a thing that I know the bad guys say a lot, but context like well he created the podcast with yeah. jessica and she's like we got to call it waiting wongs and in the in the podcast universe when someone says that you just go with it well yes if i mean if anyone gets to make fun of asian culture it should be asians like i get to make fun of my own culture you know what i mean but that doesn't mean like other asian people can't like disagree with me and get upset with me but like I, you know, uh, it, the only people who should be able to make fun of it is, is like our own people. And, uh, and also, you know, like this is, this is like, we, I feel like one of the great things about our podcast is like, even though we tackle serious things, we try to be a little bit lighthearted and like tongue in cheek about things just so it doesn't feel like a fucking lecture, you know? I think it's a great thing about human society that, uh, racism and the and the that, that, that what about just stop I just left. <laughs> <laughs> that that accusations of racism or anything surrounding that area draws a bunch of attention makes everybody snap too because it's a very dangerous volatile harmful thing um a australopithecine it's got a hold of a gazelle femur at the watering hole and shit's going down if someone says hey i think that sounds racist or you're racist or i'm racist or let's be racist like i think it's an a, an amazing thing about our species that that makes us go all right, let's let's freak out and let's get uptight about it. I just want to know what the scenario is where someone says, "Let's be racist." <laughs> well, that's cheerful, that's a, a that's cheerful tone. You've been some. Uh, You've been to some of those meetings. Well, let's, I was referring to some history book <laughs> stuff that I recall. There has been a couple of you like joyfully pumped your little fists and said, "Let's be racist." <laughs> Did not. She's that's. <laughs> Not true. I didn't <laughs> joyfully pump my fist. It's, I mean, maybe I was making doing an impression of Hitler. <laughs> All right, but anyways, okay. I, I was just I was just trying to make the point of like I think it's fucking awesome that we we are obsessed with this shit. It, it it only becomes bad if we don't talk about it. And and I'm not like the freedom of speech. Now you're the oppressor guy. I'm just saying like. One of the one of the most empowering things about you, Jessica, that I really admire about you, and I as as a friend and collaborator, is that like you freak out less than I do uh, about being accused of shit, people suggesting that maybe you're being unfair and all this stuff. If you had the same meltdowns that I do <laughs> internally, when somebody suggested even indirectly that I was you were part of the you know doing something wrong. Like, we would get nowhere with this. You're bold and confident, and you know who you are, and yet you're willing that you want to talk about the shit. It's not all entirely 100% about 
blaming uh, other people and so you lifting yourself up like you're you get down in the muck and I'm like telling you there's Asian people out there on Reddit going this title's racist and you're like fuck them they don't get it <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this uh, new segment you've introduced to the podcast of uh, compliment Jessica for two minutes uh, I thought it was like checking in with Jessica to get a pass <laughs> That well, that's every episode. Already. I just don't. Want, I'm I'm flipping the stereotypes first of all by being afraid of growing Asian um, aggression. Oh, that's I. All right, that's I'd be, fair. I'd be racist if I was like, ah, who cares? These Asians. <laughs> what are those Asians gonna do to me? I'm a revolutionary white man by going. You know what? I'm scared of Asians. There's the Dan I know. I think wrestling I think a they're violent out of any conversation. <laughs> I think they're trouble. <laughs> I think they're aggressive. I think. I think we should stop. Uh... All right. Speak- all right. Speaking of all of those adjectives <laughs> describing Asians, our Asian producer Yusan is in the booth with us today. Yeah. Hi guys. Which I'm stoked about. <laughs> I like Yusan. Do you oh. feel? Uh, do you feel nervous that you're being outnumbered by Asians after no, we just no. had that Asian talk? No, because it it may be a stereotype, but it's true in here. I mean, like, <laughs> I could I could take you guys. You think you could take me? No. No, I shouldn't have said it that way. Yeah, I because I, I definitely could not take yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I could absolutely destroy. Nor can you. I take you, son. I don't want to. That's the thing. I just, uh, see, no, I, I don't know. Oh you boy, son, <laughs> seems pretty mild mannered. No, let's not. I mean, like that's the thing. I want to express how adorable you son is. Oh yeah, but Asian emasculation. Yeah, um, I once read an article that like uh, because of social. Uh, portrayals in media black people are black men and women are perceived as more masculine whereas asian men and women are perceived as more feminine so uh that'd be that'd be accurate <laughs> well no it wouldn't it would, well, or, 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 it'd be, or it'd be I'd, in line with the stereotypes that I, are yeah exist. i'd be yeah. i'd be i'd be i'd be helping a problem by by saying something that also is true which is that yusan as an individual is adorable <laughs> he's not intimidating yes but that doesn't mean you don't want you don't respect him or want him to be happy right yusan says jump i say how high <laughs> because i want to put him in my pocket uh-huh. and take him home <laughs> It's a very <laughs> complex thing oh boy. that intersects with uh, the, the things we talk about on this show. But I think it's, I think you know, you back me up. You're, yeah, you're I mean, look, I'm Asian, and nobody's ever wanted to put me in their pocket. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that proves uh, some sort of point. I was gonna say, you, you kind of, I, but I, I wasn't like you're not supposed to objectify women. But have you been? Are you, are you, have, you been, have I been put in someone's pocket? No. Have you been? Have you been? Uh, have you been losing weight? <laughs> Where is this conversation going? <laughs> Do a yes or no? No, I oh. haven't. Oh, okay. Actually, in the time that you've known me, I've gained weight. Well, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. What am I doing? Yeah. Then? I don't know. You see me through eyes of fat. <laughs> oh, I'm losing weight. My eyeballs are losing weight, so everyone looks thin to me now. All right. I thought it was going to be something worse than that. Oh, man. Um, all right. So Yusan had some questions about writing, and since that's 50 Yusan, have per- you been gaining weight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have. Maybe I have. Um, but yeah, I had some questions about writing. They're not, yeah. they're right. not necessarily... The only way to know if he's gained weight or not is to ask his parents, because they'll very <laughs> readily tell everybody. 
Um, I'm sure they would. Uh, Wait, is that a reference to just Asian parents? Oh, that's yeah. one of the first things they say as they talk about your weight. The moment they see you, it's always it's either you've gained weight or you've lost weight, but it's always weight. Uh, I've lost weight, so maybe I, that's what I was projecting. I don't know. I feel like people are yeah. going to be like, "Oh my God, they're caught in a room with the famous sexual harasser." <laughs> he's starting, it's starting, he's starting to see Jessica as a as a weight. Yeah, and he's a, step one. And he's starting to see use on as some sort of pocket size utensil. I'm, I'm starting. I'm taking this place over, and I'm going to start creating a living hell for everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. We're focusing on whiting this episode. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. These aren't necessarily race related, but hopefully the fact that I'm Chinese makes me relevant in that way. Um, y- yeah. These are uh, so more on the mechanics of writing because Jessica and I have. Uh, Jessica mentioned having advice for p- people of color writers, and then I asked her about that advice, and so this is, I guess, um, more on that vein. But uh, in terms of like breaking story, and uh, I, I've, you know, because uh, I, I work in the, the tangential way to Dan, I, I've read everything Joseph Campbell related, aka the summaries of uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces, because it's really dense. Um, uh, ha- what are you guys' advice on writing like multiple? arcs for multiple characters in the in the same page because it gets very um scrambled easily uh i my i get that a lot i get i get the question posed a lot as um uh what do you do with multiple characters do they all follow their own um circle in my case referring to my distilled Campbellian thing do they all do, does this thing then apply because what we talk about with story is we talk about the story so the story of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory is that Charlie gets a golden ticket and goes to the factory and experiences what he experiences in the road of trials as a bunch of kids get killed in different ways but not really killed and then Gene Wilder makes a speech, and I think in an eleva- elevator like goes up someone's ass. But uh, <laughs> that, 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 so so you don't. So then you your your question like that you you may go from that story seminar and go, oh wow, that's neat. I know the story of the chocolate factory, and I can look at all movies. And what is the story of Die Hard, and et cetera? And then inevitably, someone will tweet at me or something and say, oh well, what about what does each character have their own arc? And the, the, I, I I'm sorry, it's a simple and boring answer, but the answer is yeah, yeah, fucking a. I you often will get away with not mapping it out because guess what if you're working in a 90 minute format or a 44 minute format you're by the time you've figured out what the kind of, who the protagonist is and therefore what the general story is you kind of you you've already done a great deal of work as a chess master moving the other pieces around the t- the, the board to facilitate the very hard work of giving a protagonist an identifiable journey. Hmm. But the great thing is that when you're asking that question, should every character have an arc, um, it's, it's what you're experiencing is an invitation to be an incredible writer because uh, the it means you're asking yourself, should all characters be written up to? Should they all be the heroes of their own stories? And not to pat myself on the back, just to observe <laughs> a, a, a standard that we applied ourselves to at, uh, at Community and Rick and Morty, the answer is absolutely yes. If you're doing your job right, every single character, the waiter with the one joke that sets up the thing. When we talk about 
offensive shit. I hate to throw it under the bus because I have a ton of friends and blah, blah, blah. It's like, let's, I'm just going to use it because it's a perfect example. Let's talk about two broke girls, how we, we've mentioned it on the show. Like the, 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 the guy that comes in and it's like, well, it would be one thing if that was giving an Asian guy a job, but clearly all he's there for is to blah, blah, blah. The solution would be as simple as you could do all of those jokes, but then also somehow like spend some time writing up to that guy um, yeah, or don't do those jokes and write real, actually funny jokes. That's another way to do it too. It? Right, right, right. <laughs> That's why I like Jessica. See the beginning of the episode, but 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 I but I, I mean it's it's yeah. So 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 that's yes. The answer is mm-hmm. yes. All characters have arcs. The answer is not. Uh, oh, by the way, you have to do this before you f- start writing because. It, it it's it's just like it's more like yeah you're gonna see those circles everywhere, you're gonna see them in every line of dialogue. The rule isn't make sure every line of dialogue applies to the <laughs> to, to four quadrant things, but once you get in that zone, you're gonna see it everywhere. Yeah, and it doesn't like. You know, it, not everybody's arc has to be like super, super intense and like f- like multi layered because like some people's arcs can just be like. I really want chocolate and a chocolate ice cream and they're out of chocolate. And at the end, they finally get the chocolate ice cream. You know, like we've we've all seen that character. And sometimes in movies that are praised for their storytelling, it's it's not mutually exclusive. Shakespeare in Love, I regard as a well-written film by a good writer who cared about characters and things. But he's I mean, Shakespeare in Love has a character in it that literally is there to stutter five times so that he can speak clearly the sixth time and it can be regarded as a huge victory. And I fucking wept. And I knew it was coming. <laughs> but I had two Coronas and I missed my, my ex-girlfriend and I had just gotten a giant TV and a DVD and I... I, 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 I but, it, but it's like... It's sort of like I think the metaphor has something to do with like... Uh, it's just like, like imagining like uh, rope. Like rope uh, gets its job done and holds weight no matter what shape it's in. This is a terrible metaphor because <laughs> rope doesn't need to be. It's it's like it's like a lot of times. Okay, I'll I'll change metaphors. Um, Campbell says after explaining every single itty bitty little nuance about he goes like, well, you know, in Indonesia. Um, there's a myth about a woman that finds a rock and she kisses the rock and it turns into a, a genie. And the, the, we also then, uh, that tradition comes from Saudi Arabia where also even though they had no contact, like there, there was this frog that turned into a thing. And he, 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 he makes all these points because he's chasing this other thing where he's saying no matter where you're born, there's this thing unique to humanity um, that where we pursue these stories that involve these things. Campbell never was the guy who said, on page 10, you need to make sure that the all do adventure is happening because what comes after that is this. What Campbell was saying was, I was a Boy Scout who was really into Native American mythology, and I was an altar boy who was really into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what I started noticing is that these amazing stories that I would hear at Weeblow meetings were also being played out in these stories about Jesus Christ and in stories about about Moses. And it's like, what is going on here? And so when he went to college, he started majoring in that shit, and, and he dug deeper and deeper and deeper and became the world's most famous popular uh, 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 comparative mythologist. And there are people who say, ah, he was a hack of comparative. Campbell's point was, hey, we're all trying to say the same story. He never said, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. That's what guys like me end up saying because we're trying to tell you how to write uh, Chinatown, Star Wars, and things. (laughs) 
some of them are trying to sell books and stuff. And, and so it's it's really, really important to understand that that you can boil Campbell all the way down to like, I think, a couple sentences he says in the beginning of one of his books, which is a story is a descent, an initiation and a return. That's as that's as atomic level as Campbell gets. I often hear pitches of stories. We often arrive at stories in the Rick and Morty room or whatever, where I will say it feels like a yo-yo because it's literally descent, initiation, and return. And that's not good enough for me because I work in television. So unlike Joseph Campbell, who is simply observing that, you know, everybody goes down and comes back up, I'm saying... Yeah, but what tastes delicious is the feeling of going down and coming back up, which includes going side to side while you're doing it so that your story changes directions in a different way each quarter of the circle. You're going down and that doesn't change from the first act to the second act. What changes is you were going right. Now you're going left. That's how a circle works. So, so <laughs> I mean, I I find it profound. It, 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 so, so sorry, I didn't mean. I get excited about the shit and babble, but 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 the answer is yes. Every character can have a full on fucking. And the the I, the more you think about it, the more rewarded you'll get. Just don't punish yourself. Don't um. Don't use uh. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it as an excuse to not start. That's a really important thing. Like if 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 the question should every character do this and should this happen is the is is an expression of of I want to do this better and and more great. If it's an expression of I'm a I'm a scared to start and I, I'm part of the problem if I if I if I put if I add to that fear because I, I, I yeah just like definitely like I'm learning to draw right now because I'm old and it's like I, I'm seeing all these similarities I'm like oh god this is how people who don't think they can write feel I'm trying to draw like a booby lady kneeling you know <laughs> I'm just like what if I could draw like a like a booby lady and I'm like these boobs look like neither like then and, I'll and, always have boobs to look at <laughs> no one can ever stop me from looking at I, boobs I, 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 yeah, I, I absolutely that's the motivation. It's like I could I could print money. I could just draw Cody in a figure skating outfit and uh, the, guy. I, the 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 it it it, it uh, but it is interesting to note that I'm like I'm, I'm like oh shit that's got because my advice to writers is the same thing that I keep hearing these artists saying which is sometimes a little frustrating because I'm going to their YouTube videos <laughs> about how to draw hands, how to draw feet, how to draw knees, how to draw chests, how to draw hair. And I'm like just tell me the trick. And they're and they're like, you gotta just practice. You gotta just draw. There's there's tricks here and there, and there's interesting yeah. things. But, uh, but you know, really ultimately, yeah. you gotta love drawing so much that you've been drawing for the last forty five years, and now don't have those questions. And I'm like, that must be nice. Harmon, did you know that I was a fine arts major and in drawing? <laughs> I'm not joking. All right. Well, what? what <laughs> why um, did you? So you, did you? Were you bad at fine art? I just didn't like uh, second quarter in. I decided that I hated it. Yeah. Well, I hated the program. I was a journalist major, so I get that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. See, that's the reaction I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I guess because you, I didn't, I didn't think of you as a dropout. Did you drop out or just no, change I got, majors? No, no, no. Oh no, I, uh, I very quickly was like, I hate this. I don't like this program. Well, 
It was very conceptual. It's just very hoity-toity. And, like, I just hated that everybody walked around pretending to be a genius all the time. Like, it just felt very pretentious. Fine art seems like a, yeah. Which so the, word, the phrase fine art. Oh, yeah. Well, because it, it, it wasn't, like, illustration or anything like that. Like, it was absolutely not commercial. Like, every single person there was led to believe that they were going to come out and sh- be shown at, like, Blum and Poe or something, right. you know? And so, um, but I also didn't have any other interests, and I didn't want to read or write at all during college so I just uh, but I had to get an art degree I mean I had to get a college degree because I'm Asian so so then I did what any good Asian would do and I graduated early but under what uh, how did you what what did you call yourself at that point don't you have to be a a majoring in something in order to no I got an art uh, I was still I stayed an art major oh I I see I just did it quicker oh you didn't just drop you dropped the major you fucking hunkered down yeah I I doubled down and was like (laughs) so you have a fine art degree yeah what the fuck? See, okay, yeah. now I'm. See, that's the reaction. I well, was because I for. thought you were like, <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't explain my reaction. I guess I was kind of stunned. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have a yeah, I have an art degree. So you could draw. I could tell you to draw stuff, and you could draw it. I basically stopped drawing the moment I got out of school. But I, I, you know, I would happily do like a a, a little pen and ink portrait of your dogs for you or something. Oh, that'd be great. I, I Yeah, I mean, I sit in my bed right now. This is my latest thing is I just, I'm watching YouTube tutorials by like 16-year-old kids who are amazing and who have YouTube channels about, and I'm like, I'm like, they're like, how to draw a hand and how to draw, and like having the best time. Because it's like not something I'm supposed to be good at. And it's, it's teaching me in retrospect, like, oh, I wonder how many people feel this way about yeah. writing, and I can't even follow my own advice about writing, and I just want to say to people, just fucking write, and if you like it, you'll like it. Uh, are you interested at all in painting? No, God, no. Well, see, this is this I find really interesting, because I felt the exact same way, and there's this whole thing about how, like, people who draw, generally speaking, don't paint, and people who don't like to paint, and people who love painting, like, generally don't like drawing, because, like... What I love about drawing is you get so much technical control. Yeah. It's such a controlled instrument, whereas painting, it's, like, so malleable. Yeah, and like, it. <laughs> it's, Yeah, it just yeah. seems... I'll tell you something I'm absolutely zero interested in, which I think would be a painter's definition of going too far into chaos, is sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to fucking work with a mound of dough uh, until I feel like it's an ashtray. Go I mean, th- fuck yourself, because I'll fail. ceramics you're talking well, about. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I we I had to the the program I went through. You couldn't you couldn't choose a specialty. You had to do everything. So I had to take sculpture classes, painting classes, photography classes, ceramics classes. What school is this? UCLA. Have you, you know Schraub? I, I it's like it just it, it's so funny to me because Schraub, uh, when he tells the story of how when he went to Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design, this is the '90s and the black and white comic book revolution hasn't happened. You know, Kevin Eastman and Robert Kirkman, who was on my podcast, I'm not trying to promote and synergize, but like there was a revolution that happened in comic books. Then it started back in the nineties. And before that happened, Schraub was an art major at an art Institute in Milwaukee. And he wanted to major in graphic design and they kept trying to talk him out of it and talk him into fine art. And then my brother told me that years later he went to that same art school and he was complaining about how he just wanted to be a fine artist and they kept trying to talk him into graphic design. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought it was funny because I don't think my brother said it out loud, but it felt like, yeah, this fucking shrub ruined everything by being the (laughs) alumni, the alumnus that like uh, became a cartoonist. 
Yeah, there was a lot of, like, snobbery towards uh, graphic design and also just towards, like, illustration. Like, they would all say, like, well, if you want to be an illustrator, you go to Art Center. If you want to be an artist, you go to UCLA. Yeah. It's just so snobby. <laughs> I kind of get I get it all now Yeah, because I'm so old and I just want to be effective at things and do things. And it's like I have an iPad and, I like, bought the $100 pencil and I – you move it around the thing and you're like, you can't do shit that other people can do and you want to know how to do it. And I'm like, now I understand all of the snobbery and I also understand the militant people who are like, fuck the snobs, just be able to draw a banana. Like, I get both because none of it has anything to do with me, but I like... Yeah, well, I mean, I I got a lot of uh, fiery opinions about the art world and how it's a crack of shit, so... <laughs> but that's, if, that's for my other podcast. But what if you had this crazy gift for, like, fucking, like... I don't know. No, I'm not going to uncork your... You're right. No, you don't, start, we don't want to get into that. And also, like, I don't know. I just wasn't the right person for that program. Because, like... And also, when I was in college, I was, I was organizing comic book conventions. That's where most of my attention was. So, you know. I probably right. should have been going... Should not have been going to a hoity-toity art program if I was interested in comic books. It's time for our next segment, which is let's reward Yusan's patience. <laughs> I, I do have another question if you want to return to that. <laughs> um, this one's more of a personal wait, question. Wait, wait. Before oh, you yeah, ask yeah, this yeah. question, I'm sorry, Yusan. I'm testing I can feel your... his art eyes I... darting between the two of us. <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, well, it's their podcast. Uh, they asked me to come in here and ask my questions. Uh, I guess the answer has to do with Jessica's art degree. Uh, and now Dan's opinion about art. Don't you I'm apologize. Sorry. No, it's I'm my sorry. fault. At the, I'm at, the, sorry. at the start of the podcast, I almost forgot where I was because I got so used to just hearing you two talk. So I'm, I'm, I'm really okay. Uh, um, not. I mean, I guess this is testing your patience more, but I wanted to add to what you were saying about the story circles and things like that. Oh, go oh, ahead. Yeah, do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, like I, I have to say, like I learned a lot um, on working with you on on Rick and Morty. Doesn't like shock me at all. <laughs> oh boy. Um, and I, you know, I'd I'd written for I think I think Rick and Morty the best might have of been, the best. Yeah, I think Rick and Morty was maybe my seventh show that I'd written on. So yeah, you'd but written for I, the best of the best. And I, I, but I really <laughs> truly like learned a lot and. Um, but I think the story circle and all of these kinds of guidelines that we talk about are most helpful if you aren't like if you aren't slavishly following them because Absolutely. they're they're meant to guide you. And I think and I see it with a lot of people where they drive themselves crazy because they're like, well, this idea that I have, it doesn't fit perfectly in the story circle. So it must not work. And that's not what the circle is for. It's there to guide you and help you understand. Like, when you're lost. The yeah. When you're lost, the mechanics of it. But that doesn't mean doesn't mean that just because it doesn't fit every single point exactly that the story doesn't work. Yep. 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 Um, yes. Thank you for saying that. I I talk about this so much that I it's hard to distinguish between like what everyone's heard me say before but and and it's also hard to artic articulate but yeah I I it, it a model is a model it is a it is I mean even math is a model I mean it's like a decision to say everything is this or that and like we it gets you somewhere if it stops getting you somewhere it's no longer useful it's reality is reality and if in reality you are pumping out the fucking jams then you don't need to abide by any rules and uh, the, like or maybe that that that's the going back on something we discussed yesterday <laughs> but 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 I guess what I mean is if there's movement if you're taking yeah. a shit if you're on the toilet and the turd's coming out of your butt, <laughs> you don't need, 
even to read an article in Men's Health about how much fiber you should eat, let alone do you need to like a, 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 yeah. a suppository or anything. It, it, it's it's basically, I think, I don't know if this metaphor is the perfect one. The shit one was pretty good. <laughs> uh, but a, I've, I've come to use the metaphor of the compass because it's like if you're lost in the woods – the danger is you'll die. The danger is you'll never get out of the woods. And so we have this thing called a compass because it always points north, which is at least some kind of consistency in a world that is otherwise so fraught with chaos that you might just end up circling one tree thinking you're walking miles and just die there. So the compass says, well, this way is always north. And the, in this metaphor, that's a book by Christopher Vogler, a, a blog by Dan Harmon, a book by Joseph Campbell. It's, a, it's, it's someone saying, in this case arbitrarily because there's no magnetic truth, um, but someone saying this is north, not where you should go. Mm-hmm. You still have to decide, do I want to do I think my car is west? Do I think there's a river east? And and I and I'm 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 often fond of telling people you're actually what complicates this metaphor is that you're a writer, your job is to live in the woods, not to get out of them. Your job is to explore the fucking woods. You're a cartographer. You're not a survivor. You're not a prisoner of these woods. You'll die if you circle the same tree. So use a compass if you're worried that you keep seeing the same log right, cabin over and over again. Right, if you're stuck. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you feel like you're chugging, stop listening to anyone else. Stop looking at maps. Stop li- reading compasses because – like walking is good and exploring is good and every tree you see that no one else has ever seen that is your job that is the point of all of it and don't don't uh, make don't commit the crime of staring down at your compass while you're walking you'll walk into a tree and also don't don't make it your goal to get out of the forest because I gotta tell you that pain you're feeling that wish that you were done it's called writing I, I hate it too I fucking hate it uh, I, 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 what, what was her name? I, she hung out with Groucho Marx and I can't, now I can't remember her fucking name. The, uh, uh God damn it. Cause I stole this quote from her unintentionally. Cause I said one time and somebody said, no, she said it better. She said, I hate writing. I love having written. Oh, Dorothy Parker. Dorothy Parker. Yeah. I love uh, that quote. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly it. And, 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 and look, you're allowed to hate writing, but. Then it's a there, painful process. But then there's, then there's, I love hate this pain. <laughs> it's kind of, well, I don't, it, just, it gets complicated. It, it feels, because when you're done, it feels like you took a 40 pound shit and it feels great. <laughs> and you know, the best thing about finishing writing, if you're a real writer, is you get out of that forest that you were lost in and uh, you immediately go, this is so awesome because I get to go into another forest now. That's how you that's when you know and you'll know because your significant other will will you'll see the look on their face. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't matter if you're writing on spec or writing for money at that point because that's the actual currency. It's the mm-hmm. it's it's the self-punishment, the obsession, whatever you want to call it. You could be dark about it, you could be optimistic about it, but it's like it you you liked it, but the takeaway is this advice is not for single people. You have to have a significant other. <laughs> well, to, or maybe your mailman. I don't. Know, any human contact could be your friends. Would be like, really? You're doing? Uh, you just finished six months of <laughs> threatening to slit your wrists. 
into your beer because you couldn't stand the fact that you weren't done with this thing. Didn't you? you we're, we're in the middle of a toast about how you finished it, and you're you. I don't know if you counted, but you're talking about the next thing you're going to write five times now. Well, that was an easy answer for that because the entire time you were traipsing those woods, you're like, God damn it, I'm, I can't wait to be out of here. Be, but you're a fucking forester. You're yeah. a ranger. Yeah. You're a, you're a straight white male with long hair that uses a sword. <laughs> <laughs> a sword? Yeah. A and, penis. I should call it a oh. penis. Okay. Whew. I mean, that would certainly clarify things for Sorry, me. did I ruin it at the end? <laughs> I, like, connected with everybody, and then I was like, no, but also, I'm racist and sexist. <laughs> um, okay, so the other thing I was going to add is that, <laughs> well, one of the- Well, help- this is the Jessica ad stuff section. Yes. No wonder I'm out of breath. <laughs> I'm a real piece of work. Um, uh, one thing that was really helpful that we did in the Rick and Morty writers room is that when we use the story I remember circle, when, I worked... <laughs> we, when we use the story circle, we would do two different colors for the A story and the B story all around the circle. And it was a really easy visual way of seeing like, oh, this, this bit is A story, B story. And then we could see like how much of each was being sprinkled and, and divided evenly. And that was very helpful too. Um, and on, uh, not just Rick and Morty, but other shows where I've also learned things. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, one one piece of advice advice that I find very helpful is if you have multiple characters, you know, especially on an ensemble cast uh, show, um, you go through each one of them and you're just like, you know, not even caring like what the episode is, but just being like, this character, this is their story, this character, this is their story, this character, this is their story. And then when you kind of ha- have all of that more or less mapped out a little bit, um, then you try to start dovetailing them, you know, and yeah. it's like you, you see how effective it is on a show like Seinfeld, where like yes. all of the, yeah. those characters, it's four characters. They all have their own stories, but they all eventually intersect and dovetail. Yeah. yeah. And and as we know from being raised on Seinfeld at this point, like the and its imitators, the joy that comes from the fusion of those stories yes. where they lay yeah. across each other. I guarantee you the uh the best examples of that happened on accident through accidental pairing of independent premises that when laid on top of each other as any two decently crafted independent uh, premises are going to do in well-defined characters in a in a fucking totally controlled environment like a sitcom, you, clearly there's always going to be an opportunity to go – Oh, well, if George Costanza is going on and on about uh, uh, not liking foot whisperers. Sorry, I can't riff a (laughs) Seinfeld problem. It's like the other story doesn't have to be built around. If we could just come up with an orthopedic surgeon premise. That is all. I'm sure that's what they ended up doing over time and bad weak moments. And yeah, because they're like, oh well, the Elaine story we we're talking about is she goes on a bad blind date. What if the bad blind date is with orth- a yeah? And yeah. So I'm sure that stuff happens, mm-hmm. but like, like I'm saying, man, like it, it, the stuff that's given us joy over the years, those moments when something sparks and you go, holy shit, I can't believe Elaine went on a date with the Earth. It, it is because they were one fabrication away from connecting those things that he was just the only thing. And then the places where you're kind of like, ah, man, this Seinfeld episode doesn't hold up. It it feels machinated. It's like they came into a formula where they had to decide working backwards that everything had to, had to, merge in the end. Like the, I, it's, it's, it's so clear to me. Like, like, like it's like, it, it, 
everything connects. If you craft it well, everything connects automatically. It can be really frustrating, but like you, but don't don't force like don't graph your A and B stories and and C stories and D stories and E stories. Don't for the love of God, don't stand in front of a whiteboard with a giant circle on it going in order with Gimli does this and then Frodo does that and the tree people do this and then because they do th- you'll you'll never finish and it won't be a good story just figure out what the tree people's story is stories have like in Campbell's opinion three parts descent initiation and return in my opinion at least four parts you know, ordinary world crossing a threshold into adaptation, crossing another threshold into um, uh, consequence, crossing a final threshold into resolution, which is probably the easiest thing in the world for our culture because we're rich and we don't give a fuck if people change. Um, you just, it's a Jim Carrey stops having to lie. Okay, great. Um, the the it, but, but it, it's like it. You can, your tree people, they only have to have that much. You know, it's just a little bit of curvature. First of all, they're called ends. And then, <laughs> fucking nerd. Um, but it's like you're gonna obviously if the tree people if the tree people have in common what Frodo has in common with fucking even orcs. Little, it's like they all live in a world of common day. They all have a place of comfort. They all cross a threshold. That that that. So you're gonna find those lineups. Don't worship them. Don't decide in your head. Oh, it's gonna be so awesome because when I was talking to my friend about this, we figured out that. Because ants are trees and they end up in a canoe race, they got to make a canoe out of an ant. It's going to be awesome. You are going to fuck yourself so hard because your story is based on cosmetics. It's based on plot points. And if you discover while you're crafting the character of the ant that the really cool thing should be that they should embody uh, the, 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 it's just like if you, if you, it's like you're, yeah, just the, okay, you get it. You understand my metaphor. I don't have yes. to explain it. Like, like uh, I'm, I'm drunk and um, I'm excited about my job. I love, I love talking about writing. I hate having written. Okay. Writing. Um, okay. Well, now that we've answered one question, let's take Jessica, a break. Jessica, did you have any other thoughts? No. No. We, let's take a break. All right. I can get another drink. Okay. And we're back. All right. So. So you got your second drink. You sound's going to ask a third question. A second question. Second, it's a second question. <laughs> For those of you just tuning in, I've got a little habit. Of uh, talking a lot <laughs> and and being bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yusan. Question right. number two. Uh, this one's um. I, I'm curious to what your your personal habits about writing were when before you landed a first writing gig because uh, like. Uh, I, I've talked with my friends and we've all agreed that it takes a very specific flavor of like self-loathing where you also are still productive enough to get something done. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. all chasing for the mundane, which is the the boring, no, let's just do this every day. Cause, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I was curious, like before you had a job, before this was like a source of income, what were your habits like? Well, this is an easy one for me to lay back on because I ain't got no habits. <laughs> I'm I'm just fucking – I've never done anything but let people down that were waiting for me to, to you know, output. But he's asking for before people I know, I know, were, I know. Yeah. I'm, but oh, I'm saying so like – so that's the only – I got no – Yeah. I, I, I never – I never uh, – I never tamed that lion. 
Um, unfortunately, my answer is the same because <laughs> I, you know, it's I, I didn't go I didn't go to film school and I even when I was out of school I didn't think I wanted to do anything in entertainment. It wasn't until like a couple of years of like you know soul searching and doing random jobs and watching my parents go you know silently lose their minds over me um that uh basically my friends decided for me that I should write cuz I had this like come to Jesus moment with a with a couple of friends where I was like I don't They're know like, what to do. Your drawings are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they almost look like letters. Why don't you just step on the gas pedal you fucking crazy. <laughs> kind of. I mean they were like because it was all uh, friends of mine who were older than me and who were like indie comic book like creators and they were like you should just just do the story part. You clearly so clearly hate drawing. Like, you're never going to get anywhere, like, forcing yourself to draw a comic because you hate drawing. Like, just do the part you like, which is storytelling. Hmm. And they were like, just write. You should be a writer. And and that was like... Everybody I asked it was so. thrust upon you. Yeah, I I, I feel similarly. Like I, in the, mm-hmm. and that I can't I can't truly advise anybody from experience. I I because I I'm privileged. You're yeah. not going to use that word to reference yourself, but that's what you're describing. <laughs> fucking privileged. Um, it it it's, I would I would I have advice that I can pass on from someone that who's paid to give me advice, which is my therapist, and uh, she's very adamant about because I'm currently not, even though I'm not a new writer. I, I have the same problem I had when I was 25, which is I don't want to write. It is uh, boring. It is a job that you know you're bad at. If you're a good writer, I mean, you described it yourself. It's like it's not that you have to hate yourself to write. It's that, But you obviously if you're writing, you have to have some idea in your head that your job at some level is to write well. And I tell people like, well, that's never – if you that's the thing in your way. Your, your feeling of writing well obviously like combined with the reality of like, well, <laughs> writing well doesn't – writing well is writing things that are rare. So what are you going to do? You're not going to write a lot. So and how are you going to get better? You're going to write a lot. So what do we got to do? We got to break that that syndrome and we got to do it by tricking the human brain, which is incredibly superior, especially in writers, to any game we could ever fucking foist upon it. So we can't just fucking trick it. We cannot put the brain in a room that is painted to look like you're on deadline. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I've seen those blogs. I Every morning I wake up at nine to five, I do this and then I have some tea and I tell myself for every page you write, I'm going to let you pet your own dog. <laughs> These are people who I my religion demands I assume are bad writers because how could they possibly be having this much fun? I, 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 but, but that's just, that's an aggressive, horrible part of me. I, I, and maybe a slight judgment based on the fact that the wallpaper of their blogs is pink. Um, (laughs) what writer would choose that color? I'm not being sexist. Um, the, 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 but here's the thing that I, that made me prolific for the only prolific chapter of my life. It was blogging, and I my my therapist is in, is insistent that like I along with a lot of her clients, what I need to be doing is keeping a journal, and these days that means a blog, and it needs and and when I was because I say I was telling Dino like I can't fucking write, and Dino was like you used to like writing, and I was like no I didn't, he's like no yeah you did, and then he reminded me oh yeah I did, I was like twenty six twenty five or something I had a MySpace blog. 
you couldn't tear me away from that fucking thing. Mm-hmm. There was just a little bit of like feedback and and, and 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 like the consciousness of the fact that I was like I felt like I was Hunter Thompson and like, but also I had total protection because I wasn't famous for anything and the internet wasn't what it is now. So I was just like. I, I just, like it. It validated more, me more than video games or eating Twinkies or doing nothing. It, I needed to type into this thing in order to know who I was, um, and, and so that that's the trick that I'm currently wanting to get back into. And for me, because I'm famous, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I actually need to do what what the obscurities that you're talking about like that's what i call them um i we need to do the same thing because we're in the same situation we we need to like we need to cry out into darkness and make ourselves feel like it's worth it and and i and so in order to help in that regard i would say the grass is greener on, uh, on your side like i am going to have to create a fake identity and I'm in the uncomfortable position of hoping no one ever finds it and figures out it's me. Um, because what I need to do right now is the same thing you need to do right now, which is I need to type every day my thoughts. And it it's okay if it's I just got out of bed, I'm about to go to breakfast, I don't know what I'm going to eat, I'll see you later. <laughs> every day. Just do it. It's going to turn into multiple times a day. It's going to once you really you're going to get addicted as you would with exercise or, or hydrating or something like that. It's going to take on this novelty. Something will emerge from it. This motion of energy in, energy out. Confess. Right. Tell people that like those things that make you sick to your stomach. These thoughts that you have. I always use the example of when I was 27. 26, I would like, I opened my refrigerator one day and I looked at a mustard bottle and for some reason that I'll never understand, it made me ashamed of myself because it reminded me of a voicemail I left for Ben Stiller to try to convince him I was funny. And I I was like, why is mustard <laughs> reminding me of of leaving a voicemail for Ben Stiller where I was inviting him to a party and I tried to make it funny and it just failed. And I, and I was like, I couldn't take it anymore. And I went over to my, I started a blog and I was like, my first and foremost duty was I need to get this shit that makes me unable to look at mustard freely. I got to get it out of me. I got to get it. And it worked. It would just work that easy. I typed at that time. It didn't matter. It did, anonymity didn't matter because I was I wasn't anybody, so it didn't matter. And also the internet was different. It was a place that you went to do this. You went to confess. You went to you went to say, hey, I'm an artist at Disney and I'm fucking, like, I have bisexual fantasies. Like, a, they, in your wildest dreams, like, could, it could ruin your life because that would mean that, that we lived in a connected environment where everything meant something. It was like we were all just crying out into darkness. And so I, but these days I would do it anonymously to accomplish the same freedom, which is I would say, look, I got to tell you, man, I got to tell somebody about this. I have to type this. I have to give words to this. I have to say I did something fucking racist last night. I had a thought or I said something. I, I, I am so ashamed of this. Like maybe for you, shame isn't it, but I got a feeling that's a unifying thing. Like get it out. You're a writer. You, you, 
you're allowed to have secrets from the public. You're allowed to have secrets from everybody, but you can't have secrets from yourself. And you can't, you can't not know how to type this shit. You can't not know how to put it in words. And no matter what your opinion is of Woody Allen, Lena Dunham, uh, Louis C.K., like, like, like the, the, you know, look, bad examples, not fashionable, like, but these people have astounded you at one point or another. They, the good writers, like they, whether it's through social mental dysfunction, compulsion or whatever, like, or discipline, like a good writer is like, they hate themselves just enough to, to objectively look at themselves and say, this is, this is my ugliness. This is where it is. This is what I see when I look at myself and, and it won't compound. It won't do it. I know that if you hate yourself, you're afraid that writing why you hate yourself on a list, in a poem, whatever, you think it'll turn into two things, four things, eight things. Opposite. Just, it clears it out. And it, and you're left with some smudge. Something you'll have forever. Oh, God, this is amazing. I wrote this when I was 23. I was fucking, I, I wanted to kill myself because this... Uh, or I wanted to kill uh, someone else. I, I wanted to. I wanted to destroy society. I wanted to. I, I just. I, I was so hateful, or so joyful, or and just. Just if you're a writer, I say nowadays what we've learned is escape the accountability. Find a space where you can. You can type every day. You know what's crazy? Uh, I forgot about it until you started talking about this, which is that that's what I did too. I blogged every single day. Um, and like, and it wasn't because I had any thoughts of doing it professionally. It was because I enjoyed it. it actually started because I, right after college, I moved to England and it was a good way for all of my friends to keep in touch with me because they could just read my blog and see what was happening with me. And I made sure I wrote in it every single day. And even when I came back to America, I kept it up, up until the moment, like my friends were like, you should be a writer. And then I... And then I, you know, asked everybody, like, you know, if anybody knew how how that happened, because I didn't know anybody in entertainment. And a friend of a friend said, uh, you know, there's this writing fellowship at Nickelodeon you can apply for. And that's how I wrote my first script, because I looked it up and it was like, oh, they're taking submissions in a month. So I wrote my first script to get that fellowship. And like, but so before that, I guess, like, I didn't have any habits in terms of like, I thought I was going to be a professional writer. So I was going to do this, this and this. But I did have a daily habit of putting something down into words. Yeah. And yeah. like if you've uh, if you've ever if you've never read uh, Stephen King's memoir on writing, it's a really great book. It's my favorite Stephen King book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he you know, he talks about his process and, you know, he's one of those people who gets up early every day. He writes 10 pages minimum every single day. It doesn't matter if it's his birthday, if it's Christmas, if it's New Year's. Every single day he writes a minimum of 10 pages. And after 10 pages, he's he, on a he, roll. And, he can... and after doing that uh, 500 times, he sends it to Doubleday. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All I mean, right. I'm sorry, Stephen King. That's why he's so prolific, though, because he's, he's doing 10 pages a day. You know, I mean, you can argue whether or not they're good pages or not, but like, but he's doing it. And, you know, and part of it is the reasoning is, if you train yourself to um, sit there and do this amount of work, like eventually you can't sit there and wait for the muse to come. Eventually, mm -hmm. if you keep if you train yourself to sit in that chair and write every day, the muse will learn to come during that time. Uh -huh. I really like that a lot. Yeah. Jessica yeah. Gow. That is fucking <laughs> That's profound. Stephen King. Oh, okay. That wasn't Jessica Gow. Oh, That's fuck Stephen you, King. Jessica Gow. <laughs> I can't was... believe you shit on Stephen King. This guy's a genius. 
Um, that's something you could only come up with if you wrote 10 pages a day. I'm sure yeah, even a right? broken clock is right. Uh, no, that is fucking great. Yeah. Um, the mu- that it, It's funny because that coincides with, with the fucking like weird woke uh, advice I give people about <laughs> who are like, single and who are going like do I tinder do I tumble do I fucking bumble booble <laughs> like I hate myself cuz I'm not and it's like look man be lonely and and uh, and date and make mistakes and 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 be out there because it's just a bunch of other people doing the same thing that you're interacting with and it's not that you want to get jaded and callous. It's that because Amy Mann told me, ironically, actually, where this connects is because Amy Mann was like the one, the one of a hundred people who was reading my MySpace blog. But when I was in that phase, and she was like liberally commenting on my blog, and I was, I was kind of like part of my blog was how I was going through some shit, and I was like really fucking infatuated with a friend and. And was like th- having really crazy thoughts and obsessive and stalking and like not not literal stalking with a hunting knife, but like cyber stalking and like kind of just like fucking obsessing, and 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 so I had direct exchanges with Amy Mann of all people, um, who only knew me as this blogger that she just read on MySpace. It's such a magical time. I just want the world to take a shit and fuck itself now because it's like, <laughs> God damn it, we used the internet right back then. But uh, it, but she was talking to me about love addiction and all this stuff, and she said this thing to me that I've repeated to so many people, which is what Stephen King is saying about writing, which is someone one day that you actually want to be with for the rest of your life that you deserve to be with is going to cross your path by virtue of statistics. How grown do you want to be when you encounter that person this is the same thing that i think lombardi said or somebody about like athletics it's like luck is where preparation meets opportunity uh i'm all these artists i'm talking about like how do you draw a hand well here's some tricks the knuckles are a triangle and the fingers are this but really the fucking theme throughout it is guess what i have a giant book full of hand drawings because I obsess about drawing so much I can't stop fucking figuring out how to draw hands. Um, so wait, so adding to that, uh, I this is a really good thing to relate back to our argument last week, uh, where we talk about like having people read your scripts because the part we didn't talk about is what is the right way to to have someone read your script, you know, like. Or or why? Because a lot of like writing professors are like always have you know like your your guy like always have uh always have copies of your script or whatever so that you can give it out to people. And here's the thing: like yes, eventually someone has to read your script for you to get anywhere, right? Um, and what you should do is uh let the person offer. Like, that's the thing. Like, when I tell people who want to be writers and who have, like, a script or whatever or working on a script, um, I tell them, like, a, a really good way to get your foot in the door is, like, get an assistant job. Be a PA or oh, something. God. Be... Oh, God. What? Well, no, I don't no, I don't. This is to... practical advice, though. Well, I, like... just, I, I can't wait. I'm just disagreeing with you. I'm not going to pontificate about it. All right. It, but so, but is, point, is counterpoint. Is that, is, is, is that, like, get get some sort of job, some sort of entry-level job where you're, where you're in and on some sort of production and like let people let people know that you you want to be a writer because if you do a good job and you are a pleasant person to be around at some point someone is going to say to you hey if you ever have anything you want me to read i'll be happy to take a look at it 
wait for that offer and be ready when that offer comes. Like that's the opportunity meets uh, preparation meets opportunity is that, yes, you absolutely should have your sample ready, a great sample, but you shouldn't go around a production like your sound guy pepper like pestering people and putting people in awkward positions and saying read my script read my script read my script here's my script no do your job well be likable and when people like you and care about you and want to help you they will offer uh i think we found our our unity point in our last week's fucking flaming hot <laughs> fight yeah yeah i get that i get all that because that's sort of where you that's where we we intersect because it, it was like it, it i was going like who care if all you want to do is write just fucking write baby and you're like that shit makes crazy white people that don't know how to fucking interact with human beings, much less think of other people, especially in a professional workspace, especially in one that enables their fucking sociopathology. It just makes them worse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and I'm putting words in your mouth, but but so stop me when I'm saying something that you don't approve of. But basically, women and people of color, like they they get socialized to like do what you're saying to lay well, low to be accommodating to to, to, to not act to, out to be a good person mm-hmm. um whether their ambition is to be hunter thompson or not they whether they like it or not can't emulate the part of hunter thompson that says fucking First thing you do, wear an Indian headdress to work. And if anyone says, why'd you wear that? Piss in their coffee. That's how I got my job at <laughs> the White Times in 1948. Better newspaper, the White Times. And, and, and so there's a there's an unspoken part of that story where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, which I've been waking up to where it's like you go, look, the girl at the office, you you might respect her to no end without even knowing it. If she's not smiling. It's like you notice she's not smiling before you notice that Frank in marketing isn't smiling. And you just like before you know what you're doing, it's out of your mouth. You're like, why don't you cheer up? Why don't you? It's And, and no one knows they're doing anything wrong. But you're and so that is shit that we've been talking about. And it's like. So for me to go, hey, if you're a writer, just fucking pick up your lightsaber. And if the force is in your veins, just fucking do it. But much like the actual force in those fucking shitty movies, which ended up tracing itself back to goddamn fucking genetic racism in the form of midichlorians. <laughs> like, yeah, actually, maybe this magic shit is just a fucking myth that we use to not be fair to everybody, even though we're not trying to do that. You don't have to be Darth Vader to be part of the problem. You could just be a Jedi who believes Jedi. Are, are are just present themselves because then if you what if a fucking Sandman had the force? <laughs> what? Where is this going? It's going exactly where you think it's going. <laughs> and I'm asking the tough questions this episode. What if a fucking Sandman? This is a like, real Frost Nixon situation. One of, the, one of these guys that was like, <laughs> what if he? What if he like gestured? Oh, oh that's what you mean by a sand man. Sand yeah. people. Sand people. Yeah. What? Oh, they're sand, sand men. Yeah. You no. think you think women are allowed to go out and <laughs> fight? When you said Sandman, I thought you were talking about the Neil Gaiman series. Oh God, no, I don't. I don't. I don't read. You're his talking work. about he, sa- he, uh, he, sand people. He, uh, he beat he beat Community for a Hugo. I won't read his, his work. <laughs> I'm so drunk. <laughs> 
Now I'm just saying, what if a Jawa, like, 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 yeah. it's, it's like, like in the Star Wars universe, like, it, it's just, I'm just using that metaphor. It's like, it's like, that's kind of what you're saying is like, hey, like, what, like, like, a lot of you guys are born, you, you feel underprivileged and you, like, you're on your hero's journey, but the truth is, it's not a fair system because you you were fucking shuttled to a hideout in your hydroponic farm by your aunt and uncle and like you're you're on a fast track to being a jedi and you feel like you're underwhelmed and like or overwhelmed and like you need to learn the force but there's fucking there there might have been a jawa that's a horrible metaphor i'm saying that people of color are jawas <laughs> if there if a jawa was like on a hero's journey mm-hmm. If they were like, holy shit, I think I have the force. I feel like when I like collect scraps from droids, I'm like kind of good at it. Like I feel like one with the scrap. Like no, no Jawa would be like, you know what? You might be a Jedi. You should really go to a Jedi uh, planet. All right, I'm cu- I'm cutting off this metaphor. <laughs> you can probably edit it back. I think I I really thought I was on to something. Um. All right. Uh. Yusan, do you have? Uh, a third it, question. Yeah, third question. I just wanted to follow up on that yeah. one. Um, oh, okay. Because like I, I, I've blogged too, and I've experienced that addictive feeling as well. And uh, uh, but and I'm just arguing. Why are you putting words in our mouth? Addicting. <laughs> um, I've, I've, no, I said it. I think <laughs> right before my Jawa metaphor, <laughs> where Jawas are Mexicans. All right. Um, but I'm, I'm arguing against myself because, like, it, the thing that I'll hear every time is, like, well, this isn't the medium that you want to be working in. Why is this even useful in the first place? Like, it's, it's, well, it's, I, it's metaphorically, like, the best metaphor for me is, like, the sketchbook thing. It's like, right. well, what, what, what do you, if you want to be a, whether you're a fine artist or a graphic designer, why are you working in a sketchbook uh, if, if you're not going to be a famous sketchbooker? Right. You're just you're studying hands and you're 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 training your your pencil to 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 not to be less afraid of of making marks on the paper. You're actually to a large degree it's a it's it's you're demystifying um, uh, uh, what you, you because you respect the craft so much what can be a crippling respect for the craft. A, a carpenter maybe arguably needs to be very very careful about how they think about when they should put a nail in and what I think like but I also I have a feeling that if a carpenter were in here he'd go no but however part of carpentry is you actually do need to go in the workshop and fuck around and lose your fear of driving a nail into a piece of wood it, it, it like writers though like I mean we gotta we gotta we gotta realize that words are garbage and if listening to me doesn't make you realize that, <laughs> like, like we got it's it because you're it's it's this crazy thing where the most capable, the most respectful, the most powerful Jedi is going to be the one who's like, holy shit, I can't do this. Still trying to make this Jedi metaphor happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, the other thing was edited out. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, look, writing on a daily basis is better than not writing on right, a daily basis. Right, right. If you're not going to do, if the alternative is you're not going to do any writing, then yeah. no, that's terrible. Like you should write every day. But if you are going to be writing a script every day, then I guess you don't need to blog. But you know, it's it's all it's you're all you're still working out those muscles of writing, putting together a sentence, figuring out what words work for you and what your style is and the tone and everything like that. You know, a thing that I would do that I loved doing, even though. I like I, I I would on my blog I would frequently descend into um, 
yeah. into what became the easier way to express something that I was going for, which was like yeah. a dialogue exchange or something. I would I would break into screenwriting format, and which would be a thrilling thing because it was like. I don't have to be good at this. Like I would, I would do things like, uh, oh, I just saw this episode of Law and Order, and then I like, like I, I, I don't know. It's just like sketching, you know. And so, so maybe that's part of the answer to your question is that, well, blogging isn't a blogging doesn't mean paragraphs of prose describing how I'm overcoming my eating disorder. It can be that, and then that person, if they want to be a screenwriter one day, they can go. Um, you know, here's how I've been struggling with my eating disorder in prose, and then they can, because there's no money on the line and there's absolutely no risk of anything, um, they can fucking unceremoniously break into a slug line, interior therapist office day, because they've decided, you know what, I'm tired of saying then I said before every line of dialogue, mm-hmm. and I'm tired of, of describing everything as long as Stephen King describes it. And it's like, I want to fucking break into, I want to get to the point. Here's what happened to me the other day, which we tend to do in stories. We go, and he was like, and I was like, and he was like, and I was like, and sometimes you just go, you know what, I'm going to put his name in all caps before everything he was like, and I'm going to put my name in all caps before everything I was like, because what I really want to stress to you is that I fucking own this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Or that I got owned and whatever. Or or it was just interesting and fun. It was like, I did that a lot back then, and it was like very... It was natural, and it was so. Th- I hope that that's yes. maybe like do that, please. Like maybe kids these days are like, wait, it's a blog. That means it's got to be fucking profound. <laughs> it's like no, it's like the opposite. It's got to be garbage. It's got to be filth. It's got to be disgusting. It's got to be visceral. It doesn't. That doesn't mean hurtful, offensive, problematic. It t- what it means is like you know all these trolls that are offending us and who won the fucking election by doing what. By by, by cloaking themselves, by not owning their own words, we we have to like like as human beings, we have to do all this other shit that we that we have to do the opposite of as writers. We have to go into these tree stumps and like it, it, no one's going to support us like free writing on Twitter. You can't get on Twitter. You can't get on a Tumblr. You can't and go like. Well, look, guys, I'm going to say a couple things that are going to piss everybody off because I want to I want to pontificate. I had a conversation about the transgender community yesterday and it raised some thoughts and I want to explore them openly without ever thinking about anything with regards to whether or not I preserve myself as a person. No one no one wants to read that. And therefore, like, you're not going to help yourself by. Like it doesn't. It's like, but we because the internet has become so. It's our entire life. Yeah. Like maybe that's what's the sad thing is that I'm learning alongside you or half my age. It's like you know what we need anonymity, and we need obscurity, and we need unaccountability because we're creative. We're not trying to swing an election and and make people more racist with our fucking memes. Yeah. What we need to do is find a corner of the internet where we can swing our lightsaber uh, very hard oh, with no regard to trees. <laughs> this feels like a personal attack now. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Jedi's are uh, a metaphor for Caucasian white supremacy right <laughs> oh boy um okay do you have any final questions no that's that's all don't, I don't all tell right. them first of all yes they don't have to be final <laughs> and they don't have to be about writing second of all why don't you have any more <laughs> <laughs> because we're out of time i fucked mm. up <laughs>
<laughs> Did I make a bad episode with my mouth? I, not, I'm not fishing for anything. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> I'm a Jedi. I can make the episode good by thinking about it. All right, we'll mm. do that. I mean, if we're really going to edit out that long-ass Jedi metaphor, then we have a lot of space to fill. It got murky. I, I don't care if you leave it in or edit it out and leave this part in where I say earlier. Where we I, debate whether or not we should edit that part out. Where I compare Jawas to basically people of color. This is really your wheelhouse getting really meta with something. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, chasing a thing. All right. Well, thank you, Yusan, for I'm going to take a page in. from Jessica yeah. Gao's playbook, and I'm going to be like, if you're offended, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Um, okay. Well, I just don't have I, I don't have the energy to get into that now. <laughs> if you're gonna edit this thing, where do we stop? I asked Jessica if she lost weight. Like, edit that out. Jesus. <laughs> There's I mean, a I, lot to edit out of this episode. Oh god. I feel like by the time we edit out everything that we need we should edit out, it's gonna be like thirty minutes. Yeah, long. what's left? It's like the opposite of the rock soup story. It's like uh it's like it's like cleaning the carpet, like and you like. Well, now that we cleaned into the and then we moved the potted plant. Yeah, yeah. Now that we've re- removed everything, the soup just has a. It's just water and a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so make it a fucking racist, narcissistic, horrible, problematic uh, episode of a shitty show about Dan Harmon fucking babbling, <laughs> fucking garbage. Um. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. It was lovely. <laughs> this is this is like a all, yeah, a one person Paley's under thing. Um. Thank you, you son. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to, to hear your gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening race fans. Race. It's a good show. <laughs>